0: For the next half hour, we're going to talk about uh, a public health crisis that's taking place, uh, not just in Alberta, but really everywhere. Uh, And it's not COVID, but it's one that's continued right through the pandemic and has only gotten worse. And uh, we talk about it all the time and we talk about stopping this and we talk about making this better and saving lives and we don't. We don't. We just uh, continue to do things that clearly don't work. Uh, We can look at the evidence and say whatever we've been doing thus far has failed and failed miserably. Um, But can we stop it? We're talking about the opiate crisis. It's ravaging Alberta once again. Uh, Deaths every day. Uh, So what we're going to do here is, first of all, we're going to get an on-the-ground, behind-the-scenes report on what's really happening in Alberta hospitals right now when it comes to the opioid epidemic the crisis, the overdoses, the deaths. We're going to chat with Dr. Shazma Mathani, who is an ER doc at the Royal Alec Hospital in Edmonton. Uh, Doc, thanks for your time once again this morning. Appreciate it.
1: Morning, Shay. Thanks again for having me.
0: Uh, Just give us, uh, you know, the -the on-the-ground report. What are you seeing in uh, Edmonton emergency rooms as, as you try and deal with this latest spike in the opioid epidemic?
1: Well, you know, I think that you hit the nail on the head by calling this a public health crisis because I think that that will give... Um, your listeners in Albertans, an idea of of the magnitude um, of the impact that this that this crisis has. Uh, if we think about a public health crisis, we think the first thing we think of is COVID, and you kind of clarified this isn't COVID, um, but it's there are a number of people that are coming in every single day a number of people that are dying every single day from opioid poisonings and it's not being talked about enough unfortunately and um most people are not aware of of the fact that uh, this is happening and this is exceeding the deaths related to covid uh, both last year and this year and so in the department i mean there there have been shifts um regularly like every day where we have person after person after person who is coming in being poisoned with opioids and needing to be um, actively resuscitated given naloxone um, and, and have their lives saved or sometimes unfortunately not.
0: Now, the numbers that we get from the government, uh, the, la- the latest update we got, I think it ends uh, April, I believe, was the last numbers we've got. So we have a bit of a black hole there. Maybe you can fill that in for us. We know it's continued to tick up throughout the pandemic. Is that continuing into this summer? Are you continuing to see more and more cases as we go along here?
1: Absolutely. So I can tell you anecdotally, I mean, because we don't have the data, which yes. is very unfortunate, we need to have monthly data. We need to have more regular data so that we can react more appropriately. Um, because we don't have that, I can just tell you anecdotally that 100% I can see that the, the cases of uh, opiate poisons are just continuing to rise. Um, I was actually involved in a community naloxone training session in my community league yesterday, and um, there was a nurse from Streetworks who was just kind of telling us about what he was seeing, and he, he talked about how just he's seeing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of overdoses uh, just in the community on the streets that don't even make it to hospital uh, that we're seeing all the time. And so those numbers that we're talking about, the numbers of presentations are, are skewed by the fact that we're only going to see people who call EMS yep. and who end up in hospitals.
0: When they end up in hospital, what? Uh, just walk us through it. When you have one of these overdoses show up, what's the procedure and you know how dire can it be?
1: So it's, uh, if there's someone who is really... Um, in dire straits from an opioid poisoning, there's an overhead page that happens that there's a patient coming to a resuscitation room. So, you know, the nurses and the, and the doctors go there right away. Uh, the respiratory therapists go there right away. And typically EMS is rushing somebody in um, down the hallway into the resuscitation room. Uh, they might have already put a breathing tube in them uh, if, they, if they weren't able to get um, high dose of naloxone to work. But typically what they're doing is they're helping them breathe with a mask. And a beggar, just because with opioid uh, poisonings, people's breathing rates go down quite significantly. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's, it's a very uh, chaotic and rushed situation when someone is almost dying here. And so then the first thing we do is we get just get an IV if they don't have an IV and just try to give them as much naloxone as possible. Unfortunately, what we're seeing now uh, with the increase in potency and the unsafe supply uh, that's on the streets right now, uh, these patients are needing... Uh, just much, much higher doses of naloxone than what we're used to. And um, oftentimes that means that they're having to stay in hospital for quite longer on, on naloxone infusions or drips as well.
0: I know last night you held a community session where you were training people on naloxone. Um, obviously that, like you're saying, that's your course of treatment. That's what can save lives here, right?
1: One. So there are lots of options for treatment, but in, in, in an immediate yeah. setting when someone has overdosed and naloxone will save your life naloxone will save their lives. And so, Um, What I was hoping to do was really just increase community awareness. We had over 50 people come out and take home naloxone kits, learn how to use them, have the opportunity to ask questions, have the opportunity to practice on mannequins or on models as well. And um, I really hope that other community leagues and communities will, will do this so that everybody in the city is trained on how to use this. I mean, we have to remember this is not just in a quote-unquote inner-city problem. This is about half of overdoses happen in the core of the city, but the other half happen in the rest of the city, um, sometimes in homes. You could have somebody li- living right next door to you who um, is, um, has the potential of dying from an opioid poisoning. And so if you're equipped and know how to use an aloxone kit and have one with you, you could definitely save somebody's life.
0: Do you have a chance to talk to these patients, the ones that you save anyway, afterwards, and find out what happened? I mean, we know for people who are involved in active addiction, um, part of the trap that they're in is it constantly takes more, so they'll be upping their dose. Is that what's happening, or are they finally running into some drugs that are far more potent than they inspected? What, what's, what's the situation that's landing so many people in hospital and unfortunately killing so many in our province right now?
1: You know, unfortunately, it's, it all comes down, I think, to the the unsafe drug supply right now. Uh, the pandemic has really um, amplified that um, because of borders being closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a very unsafe drug supply now here in Alberta where um, patients will come in and they'll tell me, well, I just used the same um, dose that was effective for me last time. Um, and, and this is what happened. And so uh, I want to kind of really drive home the point that it's – the the supply is unsafe. That these are not people who are trying to overdose. It's what they're they're using the dose that was was effective for them last time, and unfortunately, um, what they're taking is different. It's more potent, and they're accidentally getting poisoned by these opioids.
0: And, you know, the situation we're seeing here, I know the province is devoting a lot of resources to increased recovery, uh, which, which is great. Nobody's going to sit here and say that, you know, more recovery spaces is a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. Um, but we're seeing people die before they can get to recovery. So we need to shift our focus to the whole spectrum, right? Focusing more on p- keep, keeping people alive immediately. That's the ultimate goal
1: here. Mm hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, keeping people alive immediately. And that's with um, naloxone if, if they are if they are poisoned by opioids. But then also really just meeting people where they're at. Right. Yeah. So, yes, recovery is important. I'm, I'm not going to argue against that. Recovery takes a long time to ramp up in terms of um, the amount of beds that are available. But also um, with opioids in particular, uh, abstinence uh, from opioids has an extremely high risk of death uh, when people relapse, right, yeah, because yeah. they will just go back the to those that gone. was effective. Exactly. The tolerance is gone. What we do need to do is just increase um, the things that we know that work in the immediate term. And so those are things like harm reduction services, so like supervised consumption sites, and things like opiate agonist therapy, like um, uh, Suboxone and, and um, methadone uh, for patients who are, who are uh, wanting to transition to, to that form of, um, of management.
0: Yeah, exactly. We need to throw everything we have at it. Doc, I always appreciate the updates and the insight. Uh, thank you so much for joining us again today.
1: Thank you again for having me.
0: You bet. That's Dr. Shazma Mathani, who is an ER doctor at the Royal Alec in Edmonton, just telling us a bit about what it's like in the emergency room right now as they deal with this latest uh, a spike in the opioid epidemic. And, you know, as, as we were talking about, nobody is going to sit here and say that the province devoting more resources to recovery is a bad thing. It's not. It's a wonderful thing. It is a great thing. It's something that should be applauded. But it's only half of the equation, as we heard from Dr. Mathani. Uh, and we're going to chat with another doc who is the uh, clinical assistant professor at Departments of Psychiatry and Surgery at the University of Calgary. Uh, he's an addictions medication specialist. Uh, and find out, we've talked to him before, the the full spectrum approach is what's needed here. You, you can't focus on recovery without focusing on keep people alive to get into recovery. So we're going to have that chat with Dr. Rob Tangay when we come back after. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60 day trial now at shipstation.com and use the code POD. That's shipstation.com with the code POD. Does Monday
2: at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all.
0: The opioid epidemic and what we need to do to try and get a handle on it. Just had an update from uh, an ER room in Edmonton where they're dealing with just overdose after overdose after overdose. Uh, and the doctor saying primarily right now, they're not coming in and saying, I took more than usual. Um, and uh, I took the same amount, but there, there's something going on with the drug supply. It's a toxic drug supply right now. So that leads to a, another discussion. There's talk around safe supply, right, and, and giving addicts safe drugs. There's talk about harm reduction in safe consumption sites and um, detox beds and recovery that the province is focusing on. They're all great ideas. They might all be needed. Let's go and get the science behind this from Dr. Robert Tangay, who is a clinical assistant professor in departments of psychiatry and surgery at the University of Calgary. Uh, long list of uh, bona fides when it comes to addiction medicine. Doc, thanks so much for your time again today. I appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: So we've chatted about this before, Rob. Um, you know, when we take a look at what's going on in our province right now, if we, if we want to try and stem this immediately uh, and do the best we can to save lives starting today, um, it's a big job, I understand, and it's going to take time. But what's the one thing, you know, what, what do we do starting now?
2: Yeah, it's a great question, and it's a, a difficult process. Uh, often, you know, those first processes are trying to reduce as much of the harm as possible, for those who are actively using substances and you know uh alberta has done a lot of that over the last several years um you know looking at uh safe places to use substances such as safer or safe consumption sites um uh, you know probably the best harm reduction tool that we've had ever is naloxone kits and making sure that we get those out into the communities uh and then from there access to treatment uh and making it really easy for people to ask for help, which uh, comes down to breaking down some of the stigma as well.
0: Exactly, yeah. I mean, that's the key thing. Keep them alive when they have immediately have the overdose. Naloxone does that. But, you know, as we've talked about before in terms of stemming this as it goes on, the recovery and stuff that the province is talking about, great, that's going to be part of it. But we need to be looking at the whole continuum of care, it's called, right? The whole spectrum from right from the overdose to, you know, a healthy functioning member of society.
2: Yes. Yeah, it, it's very true. And, and I think that that is truly the role of addiction medicine is, is a lot of our roles at the beginning is about uh, transitioning someone from uh, the dangers of, uh, of illicit substances uh, like fentanyl or previous to that was heroin and even some of the, the prescription opioids out there. On to our evidence-based treatments, such as uh, buprenorphine, naloxone, or what we call suboxone, mm-hmm. or methadone, or now newer things such as Kadian, uh, in trying to get them to stabilize. Really, it doesn't matter what substance we use. It matters, you know, how we can stabilize that individual. Maybe hydromorph for some people is important whatever we got to do to help stabilize that individual, then move them along that spectrum uh, from harm reduction to recovery. And, you know, this is the important thing. We need addiction medicine physicians in recovery-based programs to help people stabilize. And then for those people who need to, to taper off, to work on that process of getting off so really our job is to get them on get them stable and then uh, support them throughout their process and for some people they may, to, may need to stay on these meds for long periods if not life mm-hmm. and for others we may be able to help get them off pretty quickly um, but it again you know there's there's a lot of mantra and and narratives out there that we must replace the the illicit substances out there and That is probably what addiction medicine has been doing for four or five decades.
0: Yeah, and when we talked to Dr. Mathani, uh, the ER doc, she was saying, you know, we were talking about the tolerance and the fact that, you know, drug users, the longer they're in this, the more they're going to be taking. And now, especially with the drug supply that they're getting now, we're talking about absolutely heroic levels of opiates, right? I don't think people understand. When you're talking about replacing that supply, you are talking about massive, massive amounts of opiates.
2: That is absolutely true, and and she's absolutely right. Uh, We're seeing really higher and higher. Look, this is what addiction is. Yes. Needing more and more and more. And, And then, of course, the opioids are even more dangerous because there's the physiological effects of dependence and tolerance. They need more and more and more to not get sick. Uh, and then if they even want to try to get any sort of euphoria, which many people can't even get anymore, they're needing even more to get there, which puts them at even higher risk of overdosing uh, because they are needing more and more and more and putting themselves in more and more dangerous positions. So, you know, the idea that, oh, if we give everyone hydromorphone, uh, we will stop everyone from using fentanyl. That, that's a ridiculous concept. That would be like... In the old days when everybody was uh, struggling with OxyContin, and we had a huge OxyContin problem, walking up to people and saying, oh, don't worry about it, here's some codeine. You'll be fine. Take these Tylenol-3s and you won't need to worry about it. So it's a, it's a false narrative, and we're seeing this across the country, more reports of the harms of just simply trying to dole out medications. And it's not about the, the, the medication, it's about the pharmacology, and it's also about the practice. The practice of addiction medicine uh, is an important piece of all of this in in really helping people in a medical format and we've moved so far away from that including talking about vending machines where we don't even have a relationship you know that the opposite of addiction being connection you can't connect to a vending machine
0: but, Doc, you mentioned something that's important, I think, there. When we talk about this, you know, for somebody in your field, those are just facts. That's just science. You know, we 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 know what we can do. Um, but there's a lot of people saying you're just going to throw massive amounts of safe opiates at somebody. That's absolutely crazy. That's the worst thing you can do. We have to face some hard truths here and some realities, right, and say this is the situation that we're in. This is what will work. Set the ideology aside, and let's just do what we know can save lives.
2: Yeah, look, if, if I had to throw a mass amount of opioids at someone to help stabilize them, in the setting of being supervised and being supported in an interdisciplinary program, where the focus is about stabilization and helping someone move into treatment, I'm okay with that. Uh, if we want to go backwards in time and get back to the same thing that led us here in the first place, which was over-prescribing of opioids, mm-hmm. uh, well, we're fooling ourselves. I mean, we're, we're just kinda you know, repeating history one more time and we know diversion is going to happen. And this is again goes back to the, the uh, practice of how we do things. There's this movement that diversion is okay and you know, we're talking about um, uh, inequity of incomes and this is how people make incomes. Well, that, that is false. This is drug dealing. And this is going to affect our youth as more access to more drugs. And now we're starting to see peer-reviewed, published reports of this. The first came out of B.C. We've seen some out of Ontario. And we're seeing more and more addiction medicine leaders from across the country stand up and say, look, I don't care about the molecule, but we mustn't change the practice. We must continue to help people get well. And not, not this concept of meet people where they are and leave them there, we need right. people where they are and help them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we get too wrapped up into, you know, we, we're on one end of it, we're on the other end of it. We're, recovery, it's all about recovery. Sure, okay, it is recovery, but they've got to be alive to recover. And, and like you say, we need to be focused on that continuum because it, it, it's going to take a long, long time. You can't start halfway through the process.
2: Correct. And then we've got to stack that up, you know, access to trauma therapy, access to good mental health treatment, access to housing, access to income. Uh, you know, it, it's such a complex issue yeah. that so many times I see my colleagues who don't work in addiction and never worked in addiction try to claim, here's a simple answer, and that's our biomedical thinking. There's a pill for this, uh, but it was no different than when everybody was shouting at the top of their lungs that hydroxychloroquine was the answer or Invermectin was the answer or azithromycin was the answer for COVID. But these were unproven treatments that turned out not to be beneficial. And so we can't just start looking at unproven treatments just Mm because. And fortunately, Health Canada was smart enough to do it in that process. And now we've got to sit back and do the same thing in this. This is a massive loss of life. This is a horrible process. We talk about data, but those data are young people who are dying. Uh, We are losing sons, daughters, husbands, wives, best friends. uh, And we've all been touched by this, uh, myself included, Uh, but we can't just jump off the edge and say let's just do this and we'll save everything because those same people were saying that about previous treatments that in and of themselves are not the only answer. Right
0: yeah there is no one answer here yeah. No. Doc so much uh, appreciation for your time thanks very much. Absolutely thank you so much. Yeah we appreciate it that's Dr. uh, Robert Tanga as I said um, you know that's that's the kind of talk I want to have when we talk about opioids, um, where we just get the, the, the ideology out of it. We get the docs, we get the scientists, we get the people who can say, this is what works. I can show you the peer-reviewed studies. I, we've seen it around the world. This is what happens. This is the approach that we need to take. And unfortunately, as we're hearing from uh, Dr. Tanke, it's not easy. It's not easy. You'll hear somebody say, safe consumption sites. That's what we need to do. Okay. yeah, we do. Uh, You'll hear other people say recovery beds. We need more recovery beds. That's what we have to do. Yep, we do. We absolutely do. But we got to do both. We got to do all kinds of different things. It's not easy. And maybe that's why we haven't been able to make any progress on this front whatsoever. In fact, it's only gotten worse year after year after year because you can't focus on one end of it you know, if you're going to say it's the safe consumption sites, we need to keep people alive until they get into recovery, but then there is no recovery option. Well, then that doesn't help. We're going to get more recovery. People can recover. Okay. But if they're dead before they get to that bed, uh, that doesn't help. It's, it's a full spectrum and it's, it's big. It's complex. There's a lot going on. Um, but we got to work on it and people are dying every single day.